Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find Good us morning, on the Revival web Life at Revival Church. Life. It's a great church. day today. I mean, this is the day of resurrections. I'm not talking about Easter. I'm talking about Kellyanne singing on the worship team again. So good. It was so great to have her with us. For those of you who didn't know Kellyanne, Kellyanne was a worship leader back in the day, in the good old days of 2019. Uh, she was a worship leader with us, and uh, then she got pregnant with twin boys that grew very large. And uh, at one point, she couldn't actually breathe uh, and sing at the same time. So we said, yeah, that, that's probably it for a while. Uh, then, uh, let's see, we lost her for a while because she was raising her children. Then she came back one service before we shut down for the Rona. So great to have her back. Uh, also, Mike Rentler was here. And that's the first time he has joined us live in service uh, since he went down with the Rona. Uh, he didn't have a baby recently, but it was so great to have him receive the offering for us. One of the elders in our house, we're so glad he's doing well. Very fortunate that um, we have done fairly well here at Revival Life Church when it comes to the coronavirus. We're still in our message series, Love God, Love Others, and Prove It. We want to prove how we love God to other people. Now, not, not in the religious sense, not prove how godly we are. That, that's where people get it wrong. They try to prove their faith to say something about them, we're supposed to prove our faith in a way that says that we love people the way God loves people. That is how we're supposed to prove our faith. Not on some sort of religious expedition, not on some preaching to people on the street corner and condemning them, not some sort of uh, trying to show out to be holier than thou. Jesus said, you'd know us by our love. And this is how we're supposed to be loving people. And really the goal the goal that Jesus has for us, the goal that Jesus has for the church, is wholeness. He wants us to be whole. And when we take his teachings and we take them out of context, when we think we're proving our godliness by saying there's something good about us, man, there, there is a fractured Christianity that's happening. It's, it's broken. It, it's not connected to historical Christianity. It's not connected to what Jesus was trying to teach. It's not connected to what Holy Spirit is trying to do in the earth today. Holy Spirit is not trying to raise up a political army. Holy Spirit is not trying to raise up a self-righteous army. Holy Spirit is actually trying to empower us to love the way Jesus did. This is what Holy Spirit is doing on the earth. And I tell you what, I want to be part of what God is doing today. There's no better day to be alive than today. There, I mean, maybe 2019, but today is better. It's better when the problems come out in the open because then you can deal with them. And many problems have come out in the open in the church and in America and actually around the world. There's issues that we have swept under the rug. There's issues that we haven't dealt with. And I'm so thankful that today the Lord is giving us opportunity to deal with them, not just personally, but as the church, you see, the church of Jesus Christ is the physical representation of the kingdom of God on the earth. Let me say it again. 
The church of Jesus Christ is the physical representation of the kingdom of God on the earth. The church is here to do the will of Jesus, to serve the way Jesus served, to love the way Jesus loved. That's our job, church. People say, you know, church isn't a building. I am the church. No. Individually, we're all part of the church, but the church are all the called out ones on the earth. And we, the body of Christ, are supposed to be doing the works of God on the earth. Now, part of that being the physical representation is allowing ourselves to be transformed in His image. And, and this, is, this is about spiritual maturity. This is about emotional maturity. We should be not only drawing closer to Christ intellectually, but we should be emotionally maturing in our relationship. You should be emotionally maturing. The things that really got you irritated three, six, five years ago, they shouldn't be as irritating these days. The things that you lost your, temp your temper to, the things that would be temptations, they should be less temptations now. We should be emotionally growing. We should be able to heal relationships. We should be able to forgive. We should be able to love in a capacity that we couldn't years ago. And as we submit ourselves to Holy Spirit, things begin to change in our life. I talked a moment ago about how the church is fractured. We can be fractured as well. When, we're, when we believe in a fractioned, in a fractured faith, we wind up having a fractioned and a fractured life. We start performing in a way that doesn't really represent who we are. We start acting for other people instead of loving people in a way that brings glory to God. And here's what we have to wrestle with. As we're constantly growing emotionally, and we're growing theologically, and as we're just learning as we walk through life, we're learning what other people are going through, we're learning what Jesus Christ is doing. Follow me. We have to apply the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. We have to apply it to this modern context. How Jesus spoke to you the day you got saved or the year you got saved or when you came to faith in Him, it should be different today. The examples he used early in your walk are probably different today. Why would Jesus talk to you differently today than he did last year and early in your walk? Well, because the context of your life has changed. When I was single, Jesus talked to me as a single man. When I was married, he talked to me as a married man. When I became a father, he talked to me as a father. When I went into ministry, he talked to me as a minister. When I was in business, he talked to me as a businessman. When I'm ill, he talks to me as a sick person. When I'm well, he talks to me as someone who thinks they're well. He adapts the gospel to the context that he's speaking to. We all get this. We all get when Jesus talked to a farmer. He talked to him differently than how he talked to a Pharisee. He talked to the Pharisee different than how he talked to the Sadducee talked to the Sadducee different than how he talked to the Samaritan. Jesus talked to people differently based on their context, and he's still doing that today. What is the modern context of this faith 
which was once for all handed down to the saints. We have to be faithful with this message. Stick with me for a minute. We have to be faithful. We have to steward this faith. We have to steward this message for the generations that are coming after us. And that creates a little bit of work. That creates a little work. We, 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 we have to understand the gospel as presented in the scriptures. But not only do we need to understand the gospel, we have to, we have to take into account the culture that it was spoken to. We have to understand the message that was spoken to that culture so we can contextualize it to this culture. We have to study to show ourselves approved. This takes work. We have to know what the scriptures actually say, not just what our favorite preacher says that they say. There was a time where people sat in service, and that was the only interpretation of scriptures they got. And then messages were broadcast everywhere. And unfortunately, there's a generation today who's getting their theology one Instagram post at a time. And you cannot do the hard work of gospel contextualization in one sentence, in one quote, in one feel-good message. It takes work. We have to actually get in the Word. We have to pray. Jesus wants to talk to you and the complexity of that which he talks to you about is altogether determined by the amount of time you're willing to sit with him and have him explain the scriptures to you. We have to understand what the scriptures actually say. We have to understand what was spoken. We have to understand the gospel in this current context. We got to know who said it when we read it, who they were speaking to, what was the culture of the day, and how they heard it. The message, the gospel, it never changes. It is eternal. But the methods change. As I'm finishing up our message series here, Love God, Love Others, Improve It, I want to assure you that the gospel has never changed. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. But as you and I, as we recognize that there's about a billion ways to Jesus, we start understanding contextualization. Unfortunately, what I'm seeing today and as I try to discern the times and the seasons that we're in, is the same thing I've seen for generations. There is a modern generation that is seeing what God is doing right now. And oftentimes there is a generation that is fighting to keep from time moving on from them. I look at saints who are young at heart, and they totally are focused on what God is speaking to the next generation. I love that, but this next generation, those younger than me and those younger than them, God is going to speak something different to your kids and your grandchildren than He's speaking right now. 
He's speaking a new message, and we need to hear what God is speaking today, not just what God spoke to me in the beginning. We have to hear what God is speaking to this up-and-coming generation. The gospel is always about the next generation. It's always about those who will come after us. He said it's to, for you and your children and your children's children. I want to know the message that my children's children are hearing so I can give them a yes and amen when they come to visit me as Papa Carl. I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I want to say yes and amen, not, hey, no, no, no. Let me tell you what I preached way back in 2020. I want to say this is what I hear him saying to your generation right now. And I say, go for it. I want to say, go for it. Friend, like it or not, well, I hope you like it because we love Jesus. Jesus, by his spirit, is speaking to today's generation about justice. There's people in the streets crying out for justice. And if you want to know who's God's representative on the earth, if you want to know the people God has really chosen in this day and hour, look for those people who are crying out for justice for the least of these, just like Jesus did. How do I know that? Well, I, number one, I have an inner witness. Number two, I see the cries of the hurting, and that's who Jesus told us to pay attention to. But check this out in John chapter 16, verse 13. This is the promise of Jesus. He says, but when he, not it, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever the Spirit hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He's going to disclose to you what to come. What, that is not talking about prophecy. That disclosing what is to come, that is not Jesus saying that Holy Spirit is going to let you know what's going to happen next season. He's going to tell you what's going to unfold and what's going to happen in your life and where you're going. No, see, that kind of prophetic word speaks to fatalism. That says, doesn't matter what you do, this is going to happen regardless. So just hang on for the ride. That's not what Jesus said. If he already knew, let me, let me back that up. If everything was already predetermined, if the future is already set, that would actually eliminate our need to know what's coming. And that would eliminate our ability to react to it. No, friend, you have a choice. What this speaks is he will disclose to you what is to come. He's going to speak to your spirit man about what's coming up in your world, in how to prepare for it. Holy Spirit will begin to speak into your heart how to prepare for this next season. And when the future unfolds, I want to say I was ready for this. See, at the end of last year, we talked a lot about not worshiping the government, about not worshiping a politician, we talked about not worshiping the economy, that hard times may come, and we have to have our faith solidly anchored to the rock Jesus Christ. 
Jesus didn't speak anything by his spirit to us about a pandemic, about race riots, about justice going out in the streets. He spoke to us and he prepared us for what is to come by saying, hey, anchor your heart to Jesus. Check now where you have your faith. And I faithfully shared that with the people who call me pastor. And not everybody listened to it. Some people heard that and didn't put the two together. And while some of us were prepared for this season, others were trying to hold on to how things used to be. They put their hope in politicians. They had their hope in the economy. But those of us who had our ear to the heartbeat of Jesus, who had our eyes set on the Spirit, said, man, we saw this coming. The Spirit prepared us for this season. When He moves like this, He gives us understanding before we actually need it. And that's good. That's the Spirit of God moving, and I'm so thankful. But what does that mean for me right now? Here's what that means. That means God is working in your life right now in ways you may not even see. And as I talk to saints, as I get to counsel people, and I just have friends who know God, it's amazing how many times you talk to people and they're like, man, now I look back and I see God was working all along. God was preparing me for this all along. Many times people come to the altar and they'll give their life to Jesus. And as you talk to them about this day and we think it's a one day thing, they'd say like, man, they start talking about over the last year or the last two years, somebody witnessed to them and Maybe they saw something on a TV show or they opened a book and there was a scripture or they had some coincidence with someone passing or God was working in their lives in ways that were supernatural and can only be attributed to God moving. See, right now, even if it doesn't feel like it, he's preparing you for your next season. Friend, he's moving in your life. It's so important that we learn to hear the voice and the prompting of Holy Spirit so we can be prepared for that next season. See, we know Christianity is not just doing the right thing, right? We know it's not just performance. But Holy Spirit is after our whole man. He's after our whole personhood. See, when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, it's not just a spiritual event. It actually is salvation, deliverance, and healing. It's wholeness. It's the whole person. He wants to change your whole person. And I'm getting to somewhere here, and I hope you're tracking with me. You see, I, I, uh, I had just an amazing opportunity to minister to some youth interns this week, and they were between the ages about 15, 16, and 22. Some of them were, some were like the adult leaders, some were going into their junior year of high school, some into their senior year of high school, some were going into college, and uh, I had the, just like an amazing opportunity to minister to them. And they asked me, uh, hey, you wanna, could you come just kind of minister to them and just kind of preach? And I said, all right, what would you like me to preach on? And they said, uh, we'd like you to teach on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I said, uh, uh, he's a third of the Godhead. I'm going to need you to narrow it down 
just a little bit. It's like saying, come tell us about Jesus. But wait a minute, you're already saved. What specifically? And so they said, yeah, we just want to, you know, if you would come teach on the gifts a little bit. I said, ah, I could teach a little on that. So I, uh, I got to share the gospel. I talked about it was always God's desire that Holy Spirit would dwell on the inside of us, that we would have this unbroken communion with Him by His Spirit. And that this spirit connection that we have with God should actually bleed through into every area of our life, in our soul, and actually in our body. Having the Spirit of God in us should affect how we live our life. Not performing, but it should affect how we live. Now, what, what I'm seeing as we look at this salvation, healing, and deliverance, here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. He said, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse the leper, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. Look, I'm, 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 I'm almost done here. This fracturing that I've seen in the body, it looks a lot like Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism taught that only the spirit stuff matters, physical things don't. Now, that's a watered-down version of it, but it's an old heresy that started about the second century and even before. And it says that, you know, Jesus came from the spirit realm to set free the human spirit. And we would say, yes, however, that's only a partial gospel. The full gospel says that he didn't just come in the spirit, he came in the flesh. And if Jesus came in the flesh, he came for a reason. See, some, some, some are flirting with this doctrine now that it's just a spiritual thing. Salvation is just a spiritual thing. You get saved and then you just hang on spiritually and then one day either Jesus comes back and wrecks everything or you get vacuumed into heaven and then that's it. No, friend. Unlike the Gnostics that say everything is spiritual and the answer to everything is just people make a confession when we look at the life of Jesus, we know that's not true. Watch this. Everything is not spiritual. Some things are natural. How about what we do matters? Okay, let's take a look here really quick before we finish this up. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. Jesus says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that is a spiritual Message: We are to preach and people encounter the kingdom of God. I hope that you have encountered the kingdom. I hope that this message of the kingdom has invaded your life and it, wow, and has transformed your spirit, man. And when we get saved, when we hear this message of the kingdom and respond, our spirit man comes alive. Yes, the spiritual God frees our human spirit connects us to God as we receive Holy Spirit. I asked these, uh, these high school interns, I said, hey, I just want to know who I'm talking to. If you're saved, go ahead and raise your hand. Now, they're interns at a church over summer. They all raise their hand. I said, good. Put your hands down. If you have received the Spirit, put your hand up. 
and only a couple of them put their hand up. I said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Put your hand up if you're saved. I said, now leave your hand up. Put your hand up if you have received the Spirit. Friend, you cannot confess Jesus Christ as Lord unless you've received the Spirit of God. We're not talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the second work of grace. But if you have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, or if you've recognized that He is the Savior, and you need Him to wash you clean of your sins, friend, the Spirit is with you. As a down payment on the return of Christ. But that's not where the benefits end. Watch this. Jesus didn't say to stop preaching there. He said, then he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. You see, not only when we receive Christ do we get spiritually saved, he moves in our soul. Here's what he's talking about here. Cast out demons. This is like the oppression of the enemy where you're stuck in thoughts that you can't get rid of or you can't get victory over certain lusts or there's just voices telling you to do things you don't want to do. Oppression, depression, affliction. This is in the soulish realm. These are fallen spirits that are harassing us. And Jesus told the disciples, after people hear the gospel, cleanse their soul, cast the spirits out. So now we see that he's moving in our spirit man and he's moving in our soul. But it's not only in those two realms. The gospel is supposed to permeate our entire life into the physical realm. Watch this. He said, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Of these five commands of Jesus here, as he sent out the disciples to minister, three of the five are physical. Three of the five commands are physical ministry. Jesus came in the flesh for a reason. He came to empower you to reach other people in the flesh. I find it so irritating when something happens on a national scale and politicians and celebrities will, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts don't change things. Actions change things. Thoughts and prayers don't change things. Here's what happens. When you, when, you, when you spend time in the presence of God and you're like, Oh, Jesus, my neighbor is hungry. Would you not help them? You know what Jesus is going to say? Get up and give them some food. Heal the sick. Cleanse those who have marks upon their body that separate them from other people. This is a message of liberation, friend. Those who are dead, yes, there's a spiritual aspect to that, that we preach the gospel and they become spiritually alive. There's an aspect that we, people who are afflicted emotionally, we preach the gospel and we maybe hear them out and they become emotionally alive or they're dead and they become physically alive. This is what Jesus is speaking to the church right now. There's parts of the church that are physically dead. They got all the right doctrine. They got all the right teachings. 
but they're not actually doing anything to help. Physically dead. And in this day and age, we are preaching a gospel that says, come to life. Go preach the gospel and do something to prove that Jesus Christ is actually alive. Go find some disenfranchised people and bring them back into the body. Find some people who bear the marks of shame. Find some people who are afflicted by the greater warfare that's going on and set them free. This is what he's called us as a house to do. We are to manifest God's will for the benefit of other people. Love God, love others, prove it. I have been, um, I've been reciting a prayer recently over myself that was originally written by Francis of Assisi. Originally it was in Italian, it's old Italian because he lived around 1100. 1200 and um, he was originally a wealthy man he joined the priesthood um, served the poor served the hurting and uh, here's what I'd like to do I would like to read this prayer over you afterwards I'd like us all to say it out loud together the people in here are going to say it with us at home I'd like you to say it out loud with me now a link to this prayer will be in the description of this video. And so you can print it out, kind of read it in the morning of yourself like I like to do these days. The prayer of Francis of Assisi, some you may know him as St. Francis. He was actually um, Catholic, uh, started the Franciscan um, priesthood. Let me read it over you. And, and this is what it's supposed to look like when we allow the gospel to go from a spiritual thing to a spiritual and a soulish thing to a spiritual, soulish, and physical thing. Let, let me read it over you. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. O Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives, it's in self-forgetting that one finds, it is in pardoning that one is pardoned, it is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. Hallelujah. So good. Amen? Amen? So good. So good. And so now... Well, let's say it together out loud, everybody in the room if we could, everybody in your home. Ready? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is offense, let me bring pardon. 
Where there is discord, let me bring union. Where there is error, let me bring truth. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, let me bring your light. Where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Oh, Master, let me not seek as much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that one receives. It is in self-forgetting that one finds. It is in pardoning that one is pardoned. It is in dying that one is raised to eternal life. Amen and amen. This is what Jesus told his disciples as he sent them out to preach and do stuff. He said, don't acquire gold or silver or copper or your money belts or a bag for your journey or even two coats or sandals for a staff for the worker is worthy of his support. Here's what Jesus is saying. Literally, as you give your life to be the hands and feet of Jesus Jesus makes it his job to take care of you. As you make the work of Jesus your business, he makes the work of your life his business. And friend, as you choose to manifest, that means to physically do the stuff the gospel tells us to do for the least of these, Jesus starts taking care of us. Let me pray for you, then we're going to receive the cup of the Lord. Father, we just love you. I thank you. In this church, you have enabled us to hear what God is speaking in this day and in this hour, and that is to serve the least of these, Father. And I don't know how you're calling the, this person right here who hears what I'm speaking, how you've called them to serve, but I know that you have. Just as I have seen you crash in on some students this week and rend their heart for the love of God, Ha! as you have crashed into their lives and told them and commissioned them to tell people about your love. There are people right here listening just now. And I'm telling you, the love of God is going to compel you to go and reach the least of these. Lord, allow us to be the manifestation of this prayer that St. Francis wrote. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, and amen, and amen. Now let's share the cup of the Lord. Jesus Christ said on the night that he was betrayed, he chose to continue to love and to serve. And as he, as he shared with his disciples that he would be betrayed, each of them sought, is it me? And I don't believe anybody would be watching this far into my message on YouTube that would betray the Lord and walk away from Him. But in some ways, we can walk away from the selfless call Jesus has called us to. and We can get distracted and start trying to take care of ourselves. So I'm going to give us a second to say, is that me, Lord? And allow the Lord to draw you back to His purposes. Hallelujah. Wow. There is restoration for you, friend, at the table of the Lord. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, 
broken for you. Receive the bread. And at the same time, he took the cup and he drank. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do it, do this in remembrance of me. And today we remember you, Jesus. And we thank you for your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I miss meeting with you, and we are hoping in the next couple weeks things are going to turn a little bit and we can start having some Sunday morning meetings, limited, gather together. We have another gathering. What's it called, honey? The Mask and Mingle coming up here in a couple weeks. Join a life group. Don't be a Lone Ranger. Join a life group. If you need prayer for anything, if you would text RLC help to 97,000, someone will text you and get you connected. We love you and have an amazing week. I don't have any bloopers this week because everything went well except for my message. And this is the second time I've preached it because the first time there was no sound. Uh, and so that's not the funniest blooper in the world to watch me preach for a half hour with no sound. But I hope you have an amazing week. God bless you. Say what's up in the chat. I'll see you in life group. Catch you later. Thank you, honey. Was that all right? Oh, good. Yeah, go ahead. And, well, first, you got to, uh, yeah, hit the record button again. And uh, right up here on the top, it says camera media. Put it in the middle to off. Yes. And I need you to take out the SD cards. And right here on both of them, there's a little thing that closes the... Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Whoa. Uh, no, you can leave plugged into the charge. Stomach hurts, is that what you said? Maybe you have to. Oh, let me stop my recording here.